Hello and welcome to episode 9 of The Bible and Me podcast. This episode is hosted by Molly Watts and our guest today is Tommy Hamill. This was the first ever recorded episode of The Bible and Me podcast. Please excuse the slightly slow start and stick with it. It's a great interview. The Bible and Me podcast is a series of exciting conversations with men and women of faith sharing how the Bible has impacted their lives. I'm delighted to welcome my very good uh, friend, Tommy Hamill, who's come over from the United States to be with us here in the UK. Tommy, welcome. Thank you. It's wonderful to be here. Tommy, uh, you have a passion for God's Word. You've been teaching God's Word for many years and you've been involved in precept ministries, uh, Bible studies. Um, obviously, mm-hmm. um, we uh, teach precept. We are mm-hmm. precept ministries here mm-hmm. and uh, you're a wife. You're a mother mm-hmm. of three grown-up sons. Yes, and, and three ha- wonderful daughters-in-law and 11 grandchildren. 11 grandchildren. How mm-hmm. many boys, how many girls? Of the grandchildren, yes. there are seven girls and four boys. Wow. Yeah. And you're a mother of three sons like me. Yes, so and, and I'm alive to tell about it, so you will survive. I have hope. Uh-huh. That is wonderful. <laughs> that is wonderful. Well, welcome. Thank you for joining me today. We're going to be talking a little bit about your uh, journey of faith uh-huh. and your relationship with God's Word and um, just what your favourite character is in the Bible or the book that you're studying at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but first, I just want us to talk a little bit about where we've been today. So where do we stop off after having I collected you from the airport? I'm not exactly how you pronounce it here. At home, we would say bath, but that's not right. So is it bath? that we went to see today that was just beautiful i left ireland this morning and uh-huh. then i ended up there in that lovely place just so filled with a lot of pretty sights mm. it is beautiful isn't it well mm-hmm. i think if you're from the south of england you'd probably say bath if you're from the north of england you'd say bath so oh okay so you can say it however you want to say it but we um, journeyed from bristol across the beautiful countryside and then had uh, lunch at the pump rooms Mm-hmm. Did we not? And mm-hmm. it was just a beautiful atmosphere. It was very English. Yes, very, very. But what struck me when we were in when I visited the states some years ago, uh-huh. you, you actually have a number of tea rooms. Um, uh, yes, we do. Because you're back. Where, where are you from? I'm from Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I live in Chattanooga. And we have several tea rooms there because we're kind of girly girls, and we like to go do fun stuff and all of that. And one of the first tea rooms that opened up there was called the English Rose. Mm -hmm. And everyone who worked there had an English accent because the lady who owned it was from, she was either from here, Australia, somewhere that sounds different from, you know, Southern United States. So we all felt like we were having tea with the queen when we went. Well, because I was quite amazed because Tea rooms, um, you'd find them maybe in Harrogate and some of the large cities, mm-hmm. um, but you generally don't find tea rooms in the old-fashioned sense here in the UK hmm. that frequently. Interesting. But I went all the way to America and I found bone china, teacups, saucers, um, beautiful tea. Um, so it's something that a lot of Americans enjoy, I think, certainly from... It, well. My oldest a... son went one time to the tea room. He nearly starved to death, so he never went back. But, you know, his wife and daughters and, and I, we all like it a lot. So it is a girly thing. It's more a girly thing, yes. Mm-hmm. 
Well, we had, um, we did have tea in the pump rooms, um, mm -hmm. did we not? And uh, it was just lovely just to spend some time catching up. And then, um, do you remember a number of years ago when I came to stay with you? Yes. Um, what did we do that day? We spent a whole day in our kind of pajamas. Yes, we did. And we sat there and we watched, Was it was one of the Jane Austen series. Was it Pride and Prejudice? Yes, that we watched was. all day long. Mm -hmm. I think it was about five hours worth. Mm -hmm. And we just had the best time. We did. And... Uh, it was just, the, I, I loved Jane Austen, I loved Pride and Prejudice, but it was such an indulgence to sit and just to watch it all day long. Uh -huh. um, but again, is that, is Pride and Prejudice, is that a, um, a well-loved novel or in America? Or is, with a, with American to a novel? degree it is, yeah. Mm. Mm -hmm. And Mr. Darcy, what do, um, what do the ladies think about Mr. Darcy? <laughs> Everyone would like to have one, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Colin first. Yes. He, oh yes, he, he is he's the one. He, right. He yeah. Did. And yeah. I think everybody remembers him emerging from the lake. And, oh yes. Uh, <laughs> and I believe that that was filmed at a place called Lime Hall. Uh -huh. And Lime Hall is a large English stately home that was very close to where I grew up as a child. Really? Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, we used to toboggan down the hill as children uh, behind that lake. So I think that's the scene where it, where oh, it was filmed. Oh, what fun. Yeah, yeah, it was oh. fun. But um, I'm looking forward to taking you to Salisbury tomorrow and showing you the cathedral close here in Salisbury and Montpesson House uh, was the film set for another Jane Austen film. Oh, well, I look forward to it. Hmm, good. So we will have a good day tomorrow doing that. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about your other kind of interests or passions. I know we've said you've got a large family. Do you, do you meet up with them often or do they live far away from you? We all live within about 15 minutes of each other and uh, we are in and out of each other's homes occasionally, frequently, I guess you would say. We all try to get together Sunday after church for lunch if we can, whoever can make it. And um, there are so many of us that we can't go to very decent places. You know, we have to go to like a food court yes. at, at the mall or come to our house or go mm -hmm. to one of their houses or something like that because mm -hmm. there's just a lot of to do when we all get together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, What fun. It is fun. What great fun. What was it like um, being a mother of three sons? <laughs> Even the dog was a guy. And yeah. So um, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I was one of those women that I never really had to have a daughter. I was never disappointed when I had a son. And back then, uh, we didn't find out what the baby was before he got here. Yes. So I was thrilled to have all of my sons. And it was a lot of fun growing up. Uh, I like uh, baseball mm -hmm. and uh, some of the other things that they did. So I sat in a lot of bleachers, we call them at home, okay. watching them, that's the stadium, where Thank they you. played whatever they played. Mm -hmm. And I have watched lots and lots of wrestling matches and soccer games and baseball games and all kinds of things. But I really loved training them to be decent people. Yes. 
Yeah. And how did you go about doing that? Using what God said. Mm. Um, for the early growing, uh, well, for a lot of years, uh, my husband did not know the Lord. We went to church. Mm -hmm. He was very involved with church, and we always did that. And uh, the boys never rebelled against going to church because it was they learned, and um, they had a good time going to church. Yes. And I used God's word a lot when I disciplined them yes. because I would show them this is what God says. And this is why you can't do that. And then when my oldest son, who used to love to try to get into an argument with me and win, uh -huh. when it dawned on me one day, show him what God says and then let him know that if he argues, he's arguing with God, not me. Wow. So I showed him that and he was very quiet. <laughs> Fantastic. And did it make a change to the way that he behaved or...? Yes, it and it, it made a, it made a, a slight change. He still loves to argue with me or try to win an argument, mm -hmm. but now it wasn't challenging my authority so much as it was just, you know, a good debate. A good debate. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Now, your three sons, do I, am I correct in saying that one of them is called Tom or Tommy? Yes, Tommy is the oldest, mm -hmm. and that was my husband's idea. And uh, it was very interesting around our house when the boys were in, oh, junior high and high school. They call it middle school today. But when they were that age and people would call the house and ask for Tommy. Mm -hmm. And usually if my husband or uh, one of the other, John or Mick, would answer the phone, they could usually tell who they Which should hand Tommy. the phone to. Yes. But occasionally I would um, pick up the receiver and I would say, hello, and then there would be silence. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh, you want my son. Good old Tommy. <laughs> and are your names spelt the same? No, there's an E on the end of mine. And now that he's grown, he's Tom. So that's much simpler. Uh-huh, and see, that was my grandfather's name. So why are you called Tommy? Because it's just a Southern thing that, that we do in the South. Um, I have one granddaughter named Charlie, and my mother-in-law was Johnny. So our first two sons were Tom and John, named for their mother and their grandmother. It's kind of crazy, but we do it. That is wonderful. Yeah, well, it's the South. It's the South. <laughs> it's the South, you know. It's a Southern girl thing. Southern girl thing. Mm -hmm. um, when did you first meet Jesus? Because you said you were a churchgoer, but uh -huh. how, when you brought up going to church, did you know the mm -hmm. Lord from a young age, or um, when did you first meet him? I remember in, um, it was junior high, high school, I was about 14, 15, something like that, and a, a traveling evangelist came to our church, and he was carrying on, and I realized that I did not want to go to hell. Mm -hmm. And I had heard the gospel a lot, mm -hmm. almost every Sunday, you know, in church. And so I got up and I started walking down the aisle responding to his message. But as I walked down the aisle, I said, God, I do not want to go to hell. I don't want to go to hell. I just don't want to go to hell. But you needn't think you're going to send me to Africa because I will not go. So needless to say... 
Mm-hmm. I was not saved that day mm-hmm. because I was not willing to do what the Lord wanted me to do. There was nothing in it except that I didn't want to burn, end up in the flames, you know? That's interesting. And then after I was married and had one son, well, when my husband and I got married, we both thought we were saved, but neither one of us were. Mm-hmm. And we had one son, and uh, I had heard a woman's testimony one night. Mm -hmm. And I started thinking when I heard her say that she had believed intellectually the things that Scripture teach, like I did. But yet there was never any change in her life. And she did not have assurance. Mm of her salvation. So I listened to her testimony and I just started thinking, that sounds like me. And then over a period of about nine months to a year, I struggled with that because at some point I would think, I'm okay, I really am okay, Mm -hmm. because I believe the right things. And then another point I thought, but if I died right now, what would happen to me? Mm-hmm. I had no assurance, no assurance at, at all. And so I ran into that lady at church one night mm-hmm. and I just confessed to her what my dilemma was, that I was just like she had been. And she told me an interesting thing. She said, go home and read Romans 12. So I went home, I sat on my bed, and I opened my Bible, which was, um, to me, it might have well have been the original Hebrew and Greek manuscripts for all I could understand it. Because it was complicated. At that point in time, yes, yes. And I opened my King James Version of the Bible okay. that I had never been able to understand. And God just clearly spoke to my heart. And all I know is God saved me. Wow. Sitting on my bed, reading wow. my Bible. So you were and by yourself. I was by myself. At home, just reading the Word of God. Yes. And you knew that you knew that you knew that God had saved you. No question, and no question since then. I was reading. Therefore, I urge you, by the mercies of God, to present your body a living and holy sacrifice, which is acceptable to God, your spiritual service of worship and do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind wow. so that you may prove what the will of God is that which is good and acceptable and perfect and it's like you know you have shades on windows yes. that, that will come down and there's there's a pull at the bottom yes and it's like God tugged the bottom on that pull and the shade went up and, and I love that hymn, I once was blind, but now I see. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, as I read, present your body mm-hmm. as a living sacrifice, I said to God, that's what's missing. Mm-hmm. And I was born again, mm-hmm. right there by myself, mm-hmm. sitting on my bed, mm-hmm. reading God's word. And I've never doubted that I know him since that time. And I think I was about 23 years old then. That's been a while back. It's been a couple of years. It has been. I got up off my bed. I went and found my husband. He was outside or somewhere. 
and I told him that I wasn't quite sure what had happened, but something had happened. I said, I don't know if, if I just had some kind of experience or I was just saved or whatever. And he said, well, go back and read some more. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I have loved God's Word ever since. Wow. So you talked about the word gospel, you talked about saved. Mm -hmm. if, if somebody who's listening mm -hmm. um, doesn't fully understand that, where would you take somebody to explain the gospel to them? And um, what are the key elements of what do we mean by the gospel? Jesus used the word gospel, and basically it, it just means good news. Mm -hmm. And when Jesus came, he was talking to the people in Israel about the kingdom of God is at hand. They've been waiting for it for so long. Yeah. And it called that the good news, the good news of the kingdom. It's here. Mm -hmm. But after Jesus died and he was raised and, and ascended to heaven, Paul wrote down for us the basic elements of the gospel about Jesus in 1 Corinthians 15. Mm -hmm. And the main points are that Jesus died for our sins, mm -hmm. according to the scripture, mm -hmm. that he was buried, the burial proved his death, yes. and then on the third day he was raised again, according to the scriptures, mm -hmm. and that he appeared to lots of people. Mm -hmm. The first Corinthians said he appeared to more than 500 at, at one, one time. time. Yeah. yeah, and that some of them were still alive when Paul wrote that. Wow. And, and they were witnesses. Yes, that he had live witnesses. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And that is basically, those are the points of the gospel. But as you read through the, the New Testament, you see a lot of other things about the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. I mean, he said, if you don't believe that I'm God, mm -hmm. you will die in your sins. Mm -hmm. And um, it, I just think it's wonderful to periodically read through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, yes. and just see what they tell us about Jesus. Yeah. I was reading through Matthew, and uh, we're doing a precept study on Matthew. Okay. We, were, we did that several years ago. And from Matthew, I learned, I, I really paid attention to the word disciple, yes. and how Jesus discipled people. Mm -hmm how he made disciples, what he taught them, what he told them. And, and that, I think, is the, um, the manual for discipling people. Right, so we look at Jesus uh -huh. and we identify how he treated people, how uh -huh. he discipled them, and yes. so we should then copy his example. Right, and then in Luke, when we studied that in uh, the precept course, I saw several times that said that Jesus went to a sinner's home, and that's the word it used. Yes. It, you, he went to a sinner's home and had dinner with him and his friends, all his low-down, rotten, dirty sinner friends. Yes. And Jesus was there with them. And then there's, there's a verse in Luke that said, I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Mm -hmm. He came to seek and to save the lost. Mm -hmm. And as believers in Jesus and as his followers, his disciples, 
we need to be doing the same thing. Yes. We need to be reaching out to people who are lost. Yeah. And we don't need to be uh, judging each other for going somewhere to have dinner with sinners, mm -hmm. you know, and, and going in and and meeting them and and offering them the love of the Lord. Because the truth is that the Bible tells us that all have sinned yes. and fallen short of Absolutely. the glory of God. And that's Romans uh, mm -hmm. uh, chapter 323, I think. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And that is the yeah. truth, isn't it? That all of us need it is. to be saved by the gospel of the good news. Absolutely. Absolutely. And not too long ago, I was with some women and we were doing, uh, we were teaching at a women's conference and they had given their testimonies and they were real into uh, sin. It was no question they were sinful women, you know, before they were saved. But then I wasn't all that into all of the awful stuff that they were yes. before I was saved, but I was just as lost as they were. And you knew it clearly. And I you knew it. it. Yes. Yeah. And you also mentioned the term being born again. Mm -hmm. Where does that come from? Because that's a term that's often misunderstood. Absolutely misunderstood. That's in John chapter 3. And I love that uh, Jesus was talking to Nicodemus, who was a very, re he was the religious guy mm -hmm. in Israel. Right. At that point in time, Jesus said, Are you the teacher? Of the and teacher. you don't understand these things, and so Nicodemus was was probably one of those who was pretty sure that he was he had a seat in the kingdom of heaven right around God's table. I would imagine, but yet he came to Jesus. He came at night when nobody else could see him going to Jesus, because I think Nicodemus had questions. Yes, and Jesus said to Nicodemus, this very religious man. You must be born again to enter the kingdom of heaven. You have to be born of the Spirit. My husband and I were in a restaurant not too long ago, and this lovely gal was uh, serving us. And when she came to the table, uh, one of us told her that we were going to pray in a minute. Could we? Was there something she would like for us to pray Wonderful. for her about? So she shared something with us. And we prayed about that. And then when she came back and brought something to us, I, I just said to her, or I asked her if she knew the Lord Jesus. And she kind of looked at me and I said, you know, he died for your sins and my sins. And he was raised from the dead so that, so that you can have a new life. And she just looked at me and she said, I need a new life. Wow. Wow. It was just... It's as simple as that. So you took an opportunity mm -hmm. of a waitress to, she was bringing you something, you just mm -hmm. asked if you could um, pray mm -hmm. for her with anything that she had on her heart, uh, and then you uh, said that you prayed and mm -hmm. just mm -hmm. gave the gospel, basically, just in a very natural way. Right. Because often we get really um, uptight about how to share our faith with people, but that sounds as though it's a very natural way um, mm -hmm. Do you mm -hmm. find it easy to share your faith with strangers, or um... sometimes very easy, sometimes not so easy? Yeah, <laughs> it all depends on the the situation. But there's this passage in Romans one, as verse sixteen, 
that says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, mm -hmm. for it, the gospel, is the power of God for salvation. Mm -hmm. For everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. And I just need to remember, the power is in the message. Mm -hmm. The power is not in the messenger. Right. All we're called to do is just give the message to the ones that God shows us mm -hmm. to speak to. Mm -hmm. And then uh, he does the work. I, d I don't know what happened to that girl, but she and her husband were looking for a church. And uh, it sounded like they were on their way to the right path. And, and I've thought about her several times since then. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And just pray for her when I do. Mm. That is wonderful. That is so encouraging. You can mm. just naturally just share something of the good news of Jesus Christ. It's about his death, his burial, his resurrection. Mm -hmm. and the fact that there is life on offer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's what being born again means. You literally have a new life. You said that right from the word go, when you read Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, and you, you read about having a renewed mind and you, you felt that you were different, um, the Bible suddenly, the shutters came up, you were able to understand it. Was it from that point onwards that the Bible became so important to you? Yes. Or it was? Yes. I was in a Bible study <clears throat> when that happened, mm -hmm. but then all of a sudden I could understand what I, was, what I was listening to and reading and all of that. And then um, one of the women in the Bible study that I attended uh, went to another Bible study to, to listen to a teacher, and she would just periodically mention that uh, she was in a, another Bible study and... Uh, I think she knew that I needed to go to the Bible study she was in. Mm -hmm. I think she just prayed for me. And so I ended up, after we had two more sons, I ended up going to what was called Reach Out Ranch. And the teacher was Kay Arthur. Mm -hmm. And so I took my two youngest sons to the nursery because that was one plus, there was a free nursery. And so, as a, a mother who was, you know, three small children, yes. and to have a little bit of time for yourself, yes, must have been like an oasis. Oh, it was. It was just divine. Mm. So uh, my friend and I went, and uh, Kay was teaching Ephesians, and it was in the spring of 1975. And first time we went, we were just amazed at the teaching. We thought, this is so good. And then Kay was telling us, because the, the teaching was going to end that spring, and she was telling us that she was writing this Bible study that uh, had five hours of homework wow. to it, and that it was going to start in the fall, and that we needed to decide if we were going to do that Bible study or not, because we should make a commitment to it, to really do it. So over the summer, uh, my friend and I prayed about it, and it was getting close to fall for the time the Bible study to start. And my friend said, well, what do you think about going to this Bible study? And I said, well, I just can't think of a good reason not to. And she said, I thought the same thing. Mm -hmm. So we just went. Mm -hmm. And from the very first lesson, mm -hmm. 
and it was Romans. Romans. Was that the first lesson, the, the first precept the upon precept? The first precept upon precept that course that was written. It was in the fall of 1975. And uh, we went to the Bible study and we got our mimeographed lesson. Okay, One you lesson. have to explain what a mimeograph is. Well, because it was this really old thing that you would crank a, a handle and it would uh, almost carbon copy things, I think. I don't really know how it worked, but it was, uh, we just got one lesson and then we would make a donation for whatever we thought the lesson was worth, whatever we could afford. Excellent. And from that first lesson though, I was, I was totally amazed that I could understand the Bible. And what were you asked to do? We just, um, we had the text that was printed for us on what was called observation worksheets, and those are in all precept upon precept courses even now. And we just uh, followed the directions. We would mark the text so that we saw the main points of the text and really observed what it was saying, then answer some questions about it, and, and how it relates to life. And I'll tell you, from that very first time, I was just amazed, absolutely amazed, because I thought that only pastors or really, really old women, mm -hmm. like I am now, can <laughs> could understand the Bible. But there I was, 27, and I could understand it. It just, just totally floored me. Mm. And so, you were being introduced to, I think, what we would now call inductive Bible yes, study. Yes, absolutely. Which is a very creative, it's an engaging, it's yes. a practical, it's a very accessible way mm -hmm. to actually study God's Word. Mm -hmm. uh, you talked about um, marking some words, because of course in Precept we teach people how to engage by marking words, right. and listing, and answering questions. Why do we do those three things? Why do we answer questions? Why do we mark words? Why, why do we write um, scripture out, Tommy? What's the purpose in that? To help us really think about it, to look at it and, and see who is this talking about? Mm. Does this have anything to say to my life? Mm. Are the people that, that this is about, are they going through something similar to what I'm going through? Mm. And then God shows us, if we study book by book, mm. we get the context and we, of, of what we're reading, and we don't go around just here a verse, there a verse, yes. everywhere a verse a verse, mm. and, and we really pay attention to what a chapter, for instance, is saying. We, we look at it, we take it apart and mm. analyze it, mm. and then put it back together. But the marking and the listing are very easy to do. Mm -hmm. I mean, very easy to do. We teach it to children now. Yes. And, but it's putting God's Word into your mind, yeah. into your heart, mm -hmm. into your thinking, so that it's like that verse says, um, you know, that I hide God's Word in your heart yes. so that you might not sin against Him. So when you spend a lot of time on it, yeah. then it's there. Mm -hmm. and, and precept Bible studies are not hard to do. Yeah. You just take time. But all oh, the benefits. Mm. And you talked about um, you were hearing God speak to you. Mm -hmm. um, and 
people want to hear God speaking to them today. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they may, God, when I say God, it could be God. They want, yeah, to, right. they want to hear, yeah. you know, small g, uh-huh. they just want to hear somebody speak to them. Uh-huh. But actually, we believe that the Bible is the Word of God. And when we read the Word of God, and because of the Holy Spirit, we're able to hear God speaking to us personally. Right. And um, tell me just a little bit about the sort of the application of God's Word, because we don't want to just read God's Word for the sake of reading God's Word. Well, God's Word says knowledge puffs up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. That's just arrogance. Mm. If you're not going to put it into practice, it doesn't do any good at all. Yeah. When we are born of the Spirit, we have God the Holy Spirit within us. God the Holy Spirit spoke to men to write God's Word. So we have His words written or inspired by Him, breathed by Him, men moved by the Holy Spirit to write God's Word. We have God's Spirit within us to tell us what that's talking about. And what that means to my life and how I'm supposed to put that into practice. So it is God speaking. From Genesis 1 to the end of Revelation, that's God speaking to us. Mm. People just need to listen. They need to listen. That's right. Take time and listen. Mm -hmm. And so from your very first introduction to Precept all those years ago in the 70s, -hmm. um, how did you then become more involved in Precept Ministries International and the Bible studies and teaching and training and that side of... Well, the second year of the Bible study, um, at the end of the the first year, Kay said, whoever wants to be a discussion group leader, let us know. And we'll start back in the fall because the, the way precept is laid out is you do your personal study and then you go to a discussion group led by a leader. Everybody's done the same study, so you talk more and you learn more from other people. And then there's the hour lecture after that on the same uh, passage of scripture. So you really get what that's about. So that second year during the summer, um, I had only been saved for about four years. I knew I didn't know anything. Mm -hmm. It was very clear to me. But, um, I mean, I could recite the books of the Bible, but I learned that in the sixth grade. So, you know, that was about all I knew. So I told the Lord, this was very spiritual. I just said, mm-hmm. God, I would love to do that. I would love to be one of those discussion leaders, but you know I don't know anything. So if I'm really supposed to do that, then they're just going to have to ask me, would you just, that's how I will know if I'm supposed to do that or not. Mm-hmm. Well, at the close to the end of the summer, I ran into uh, a friend of mine, Jan Silvius, who was also part of, of the, the study. And she looked at me and she said, why is your name not on the list to be a precept leader? Uh, so that was and I just, I just nearly fell over dead. Uh-huh. And so I started leading the discussions that second year. And I was so glad several years later that I ran into one or two of the women who had been in that first discussion I led, and they were still coming to Bible study. I was so glad to see them. <laughs> they had been put off. Uh-uh. That's what you no, meant. no. And it, I just led the, the discussions for years, and then when uh, we started developing trainers 
to teach other people how to do that. I was one of the ones that started doing that and then just one thing after another because I've been there for so long. My husband and I grew up in Chattanooga and that's where uh, Precept Ministries headquarters is and so it's just, there I am. Well, I've had the amazing privilege of being able to go to Precept Ministries International Mm -hmm. headquarters Mm -hmm. and uh, I first met you there some years ago. Right. um, it was I was I was kind of in awe of the whole training department because <laughs> of the wisdom and the years of training and I was so new to it all. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really got um, obviously Kay and the whole team, Bob and Diane Vereen, uh-huh. have been so instrumental yes. in our development of Precept Ministries over uh-huh. here. They've nurtured, mentored, trained, right. encouraged me uh, and my husband Nigel. Um, but. With the training department, um, you were really my example of how to um, study God's Word for myself and, and how to communicate those skills to other people. And I remember watching um, a, a video of you leading, I think it was Deuteronomy actually, there was a passage on Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 6, hmm. and um, I remember it really clearly, you were wearing this really beautiful green jacket, I thought, <laughs> wow, she's stylish, I loved it. Um, but I just saw the way that you communicated these simple skills to people. Mm. And um, it, for me, it just connected. And I just have had the privilege of being able to learn from you and the others in the training department and over here in the UK, being able to pass mm-hmm. on those skills to other people. And so I just want to say thank you to Precept International mm. and to Kay and to all of you for you know, the years of dedication to God's Word because the impact has been enormous on my life. And, uh, and so here in Precept Ministries UK, we're just seeking to empower people with those same skills. And that is so key, just passing on, you yeah. know, passing it on for other people to have because you know what it does. Mm. Mm. And over the years, we Precept International hasn't just been um, producing these precept upon precept courses, which required a lot of Mm -hmm. home study, not Mm -hmm. difficult, but required home study. Tell us a little bit about the other studies that are now available through precept. As the years progressed, uh, the second series of Bible studies that Kay wrote and Precept Ministries produced is called In and Out. Uh, that's short for taking it in and living it out. Mm-hmm. So it's the same uh, material, the same uh, content as the precept upon precept, the five hours of study, but there's just less to it. So yes. it's geared to about one to three hours of study. And uh, we have almost all of our precept upon precept courses in the in and out form mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Then next came a series of devotionals that Kay wrote um, called the Lord series. Yes. And those are, those are less inductive. They have a lot of case teaching in them. They're very, very good. And uh, there are a lot of them. And one of the ones that I would suggest people start with if they're new is called Lord Teach Me to Study the Bible in 28 Days. Yes, That focuses on the study skills and how to observe and interpret and apply the scripture. Yes. Then after the Lord's series, uh, I think the next thing that came along was what we call the New Inductive Study Series, and that was after uh, we put together the Inductive Study Bible. 
the inductive study series came along as companion mm -hmm. for the inductive study Bible. But it's a series that just stands all on its own. And we have every book of the Bible in that inductive study series. Those courses can get in depth into the various books of the Bible. Um, they are a different format than the precept upon precept and they are geared for about 20, well, I would say 15 to 20 minutes yes. of study per day, yeah. seven days of the week instead of five days of the week. And that's how Nigel and I started because Was it? back in, oh gosh, 1996, 97, 98, when uh -huh. we first started, we picked up one of the New Inductive Study Series books, and it was oh. on Corinthians. Yeah. Nobody had taught us what to do. We just read the book. We did what the book said. We actually led a small house group, and the, the Bible just became alive to yes. me. Yes. And it went from, I'd always loved the Bible from when I became a Christian, when I gave my life to the Lord when I was 14. I'd always mm. loved reading God's Word, but I didn't understand how it all fitted together. Mm -hmm. It was a verse here and a mm -hmm. verse there. But this helped me to piece scripture together, the Bible together. And although yes. I was looking at a book of the Bible, uh -huh. we were cross-referencing other parts of scripture. Uh -huh. So scripture interprets scripture. Yes. And I was beginning to understand something of the whole counsel of God. I, I'm not there uh -huh. yet, but I was uh -huh. on my way. Uh -huh. So these are a very accessible um, way of being able to be regularly in the Word of God, 15, 20 right. minutes a day, in your quiet time, mm -hmm. in a small group, yes. church group, cell group. Uh -huh. I found them It's excellent. important for people to be in the Word daily. Yes. Daily. We also have children's studies. Yeah. And uh, I, I love that because my grandchildren get to do yes. those studies. And, and I mean... My eight-year-old grandson was talking to me the other day about covenant. Wow. And what he had learned about the covenant in the Bible. And I just thought, oh, Lord, to have known that yes. at that age. But you know what? God's in charge of my life. I didn't, but he brought me this far anyway. Yes. We have... Uh, Christian school and homeschool Bible study curriculum. Yeah. We have uh, other studies written by Pam Gillespie, and some of those studies that um, there's one called Cookies on the Lower Shelf. Now there's that's another one that's American sweeter phrase. than chocolate. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But they cover so, the whole Bible uh -huh, as well, don't they? Right, right. But I think the 40 minutes has been one of the most the, popular yes. and most accessible uh -huh. to a lot of people because we're living in a very well, people's time is at a premium. Right. They're finding it more difficult to make time to study God's Word. So the 40 minutes, certainly here in the UK, have been mm -hmm. really very popular. Mm -hmm. We use those in Sunday school mm -hmm. at home. And we just... When you say Sunday school, you talk about adult Bible study. Class. That is yeah. adult Bible study, Sunday morning church, mm -hmm. not when the whole church is gathered together. It's a smaller yes. group. And we will use those studies we don't limit those to 40 minutes no it sometimes takes us months yes. to do one of them but right. it, it gets people focused on god's word yes. and the questions lead us to application yeah and we uh as i said we find them very popular here in the uk uh-huh um teenagers small teenage groups yes also love them. yes they, they certainly do teenagers mm -hmm. um, 
and very applicable, as uh-huh. you say. So that's a great place to start to pick up one of the 40-minute studies yes. and uh, get stuck into God's Word that mm-hmm. way. Um, and so you mentioned, um, I think, gosh, way back in our conversation, uh-huh. um, about you, you thought you were Christians, but you weren't Christians at the time, you were churchgoers. Um, would you just share very briefly, mm-hmm. um, as a wife, um, your journey Um, Because I believe that your husband, Wally, was not a Christian for many years. My husband was saved 14 years ago. Hmm. So that means that when I was saved, for the next 32 years, my husband was not. Hmm. And um, I I remember, I mean, I just believed he was when I, you know. Married him. Yeah, and he thought I was, but then... I was still convinced that he was saved until I had been studying God's Word for about eight years. Mm -hmm. And one day, I just was watching him in the backyard with one of our sons. They were passing a baseball back and forth. And I started thinking about what his life was like and what God says about a true believer. Mm. And I said to the Lord, how can a Christian, and then I didn't even finish the thought because it dawned on me, he wasn't. Mm. And so that changed my view Mm. so that I didn't expect Christian things out of him anymore. I didn't expect him to respond and uh, live like a true believer in Jesus Christ. Mm. Anymore, So I, I really started uh, looking at what God says about women who, who are married to unsaved husbands. And, and the verses I lived by the most were in 1 Peter, the end of chapter 2 and the beginning of chapter 3. And the end of chapter 2 is about Jesus going to the cross. It said that, that he did not revile in return. Mm-hmm. He did all of those things that he should have done. And then the very next thing it says, likewise, you wives. Mm -hmm. And I thought, okay, Mm -hmm. there's something to learn from this. And it talks about, in 1 Peter 2, about living, uh, 1 Peter 3, about living with a husband who's disobedient to the word. And disobedient is talking about all the time disobedient. That's an unsaved husband. And down through that passage, it talks about your behavior toward your husband, Mm -hmm. submitting to your husband. And it says that he may be one without a word. So that's not constantly flapping at your husband. Um, Beating him over the head with the Bible is what we would say at home, you know, and that kind of thing. And so over the years, thank the Lord, he taught me how to live. I was never perfect. I did a lot of things I shouldn't have done. I did a lot of things wrong, but God was always greater than my mistakes. But he taught me how to live and respect my husband because he was my husband. Yes. And how to show that respect to our sons. And I think those things are important. And a lot of women don't think about that. Mm. They just think about their misery. Mm. Mm. 
Everybody has trials. Mm -hmm. That's just the one God chose for me. Mm -hmm. And we haven't got time to go into all of that detail. I know right. that you're going to be speaking later on this week and sharing more about that. Um, but clearly it was a challenging and a difficult time mm -hmm. at times. I'm sure a joy at other times, but I'm sure mm -hmm. there were real challenges. Mm -hmm. um, I'm sure there were tears that were mm -hmm. shared at times. And mm. yeah, so, um, but we just thank God because Wally, um, years later, I believe had a stroke. He had a stroke and he was saved in a hospital bed in the middle of the night. Wow. And now today he's um, babysitting for our two-year-old granddaughter and maybe her older brothers and sister as well. Mm. <laughs> Praise God. That is fantastic. And Tommy, just um, before we bring this to a close, um, which book of the Bible are you studying at the moment? And is there a verse in particular that's speaking to you at the moment or um, a character in that book? Which book are you? Well, because of what I do and uh, how I work on the Bible studies that are produced there at Precept Ministries, uh, I'm studying 1 Timothy and Mark and 2 Timothy, and we're kind of working on the studies for all of those. And I have really been struck lately by the word entrust mm -hmm. in 1 and 2 Timothy, mm -hmm. where Paul was entrusted with the gospel. Paul entrusted that to Timothy, his true son in the faith. Mm -hmm. And then he told Timothy, entrust these things to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Mm -hmm. That's how the gospel's passed along. Mm -hmm. And that's a wonderful way for us to end this podcast mm -hmm. in that we've been entrusted with the gospel. Amen. We need to tell other people about Jesus and teach them how to study the Bible, mm -hmm. these simple skills that Precept offers um, so that they can know God better and grow in their relationship and then entrust other people with the same things. Yes. Tommy, thank you for speaking to me today. It's been an absolute joy. It's um, been my privilege. Thank you. You have been listening to The Bible and Me Podcast by Precept Ministries UK. If you enjoyed this episode, please click the subscribe button now and consider leaving us a rating or review. If you'd like to learn more about the ministry or make a donation, visit www.precept.org.uk or follow us on Facebook, Instagram and YouTube at PreceptMinUK.